This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success podcast. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today we have a guy, he is real, and this guy is raw, and this guy is Gary John Bishop. Gary, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, and thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here, and uh, you know we're going to talk about your book, um, Un-F Yourself, is what I'm going to call it. <laughs> oh, so Un-F Yourself, uh, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. Uh, that's your book, and uh, we'll talk about that in a few in a little bit. But uh, I was introduced to you by Ryan Barkey, a friend of mine. He said, "Man, you got to read this book, and you got to get this guy in your podcast." And four days later, here we are. So you're the man. And uh, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what's helped shape the man you are today? You know, obviously, the first thing that people would have to get used to is I've got this hybrid Sean Connery, Tommy Wynette accent. <laughs> so I'm originally from Scotland, but I've lived in Florida for 20-something years now. Um, I'm married. I have three sons, ranging from three years of age to 12 years of age. And then about a dozen years ago or so, I I started to get into the world of uh, personal development, which, to be honest, just sounded like a bunch of nonsense to me. But, uh, but uh, you know, a member of my family recommended that I do this course, which I did. And it opened my eyes up, opened my eyes up to my own limitations and the ways in which I had kind of written off whole swathes of my life. And I, and I really started to get into this world of personal development. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm kind of like the anti-self-help, self-help guy. So I can't stand the title self-help. Um, sure. I think it immediately assumes that one needs help. So I'm way more into the notion of personal empowerment, personal growth, personal development, and um, and so. But I, what I what I'm out to bring to that field, if you like, is knowledge and insight for people. But also, um, my style is very confrontational, so I call people out on their stuff, and sometimes that can be really challenging because. Sometimes people don't think what they're saying is their stuff. They think what they're right. saying is their reality. And um, and I've gotten to be, even though I say so myself, I've gotten to be pretty good at it. And uh, and so I wrote the book really as a, an interruption to the whole field, if you like, of self-help, because I'm lumped in with that kind of category. And yeah. it's, I, I actually published it myself first. And it sold uh, about 30,000 copies in about five months. Wow. And then I was approached by just about everybody, every Simon & Schuster and HarperCollins and, you know, just about every major publisher that has approached me to pick the book up. And I, I, signed, a, I signed a deal with HarperCollins and it's out all over the United States and it's also an audio book. And it's, uh, it's really picking up a pace right now. You know, in our first week we sold over 4,000 copies 
and it's it's just keeps spiraling away. Well, it's good for you. I, well, it definitely was in the self help though when I went to Barnes and Nobles and bought it. So we'll have to, yeah. maybe we can change the title of that section of the bookstore, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I read somewhere, Gary, that you know you like to see past what you think. So you, being that person you're talking to, see past what you think is happening and speak to what's really going on under all the noise, right? So tell mm -hmm. me about that. What's that mean? Well, if you notice in your own life, I don't care what you do in life, you might be the most positive person in the world, but you do have a view of things. What, if you ask your average person, do you have self-limiting beliefs? They would probably say, yeah, I do. And then if you ask them, what are they? They might take a stab at telling you what their self-limiting beliefs are, but nobody really knows what they are because they're beliefs. So it's like this, I really believe this. And um, so no one's really sure about what their self-limiting beliefs are. Often it takes working with somebody like me to start to uncover them. But your life doesn't, there's, a, there's this kind of maxim out there, there's this kind of conversation, if you like, mm -hmm. that if you change your thinking, you'll change your life which is a complete crock. You won't change your life by thinking. You'll only change your life by acting differently. You can't act the same way and have a different life. At some point, you need to catch yourself. And what people tend to do is they've got all their attention on how do I feel different? How can I be more confident? How can I have courage? How can I be more vulnerable? How can I be, you know, whatever the thing is, and it's a complete sidebar. It actually takes you away from doing what will forward your game in life, whatever your game might be. So I, I, actually, I actually want people to wake up to how much, A, they're constrained by their own emotional state. And that they act, even the most logical people act in very emotional ways that they don't even realize are emotional ways. And the more you investigate yourself and the more you catch yourself the more you'll actually see you're disconnected from real life, from reality. People say stuff like, my gut instinct, my intuitiveness, all of which can be altered with a martini or a slice of pizza, by the way. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I, I want people to look at the reality, look at, like, if I want to get a, if I want to get a, for instance, I'll use a simple example. If I want to get a promotion at work, I'm going to have to do two things. One, make the case for being promoted so compelling that the, the people who are ahead of me will agree to what I'm saying. And then to be bold enough to step up there and make the request, like, I want a promotion. And I want a promotion in the next six months. Tell me what I need to do. But we don't. We sit going, well, the time's not right. And maybe if I do a little bit more, well, you know, I've been nice to the boss. And well, I've met all my figures in the last, which is all internal. None of that's actually out here in the world and impacting your reality. So in the book, I give people ways to start to interrupt the drift and to start to impact their reality, their real lives, and how to produce results in reality, not in your head, but real results in your life. I like that. You talk about, too, it's not about being perfect. It's about being relentless. And, and yeah. talk to us about why that is. So if, if I'm that person, right, and I think, okay, I want this promotion in six months or I want to start this new business. Yeah. Why, what is it about the not being perfect, but being relentless? Well, you're not. So you're currently wired for the life you have. So how do you know that? Because it's the life you have. Right. So 
you know, whether it's you or any one of your listeners, what you're doing in life, you're doing it because you think you can. You only went into it because you thought you could. And so at a very young age, you're actually already, probably from about the age of nine or ten, you're already starting to see the world in terms of what you can do and what you can't do. That form that takes you all the way into college, by the way. You, you did the college course that you thought you could do. Um, you Coming out of college, you got the job that you thought you could get. So it goes all the way through. And what I'm asking people to do is get outside of what you think you can do. Actually start to act on some of the things that you, you're not really sure whether you can or you can't. Now, if you start doing that, if you start acting on things that you don't think you can do, here's what you'll notice. Your internal state, your emotional state will go into overload. You'll start doubting yourself and questioning yourself. And can I do it? And can I not do it? You might even get worried. You might even experience anxiety. And what I say to people is, yeah, that's appropriate. You're in this domain, if you like. It's a domain called uncertainty. And in the domain of uncertainty, there's no evidence for anything. There's only relentless action. And you got to plow on relentlessly, even though your emotional state and your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions are all saying, oh, is this good? Is this bad? Maybe we should get out. Maybe we should stop right now. This is too tough. Maybe I'll bring somebody else in. I, I want people to get like that's normal when you're acting in the domain of the unknown and the uncertain. And as human beings, the older we get, the more addicted we get to having things be a certain way. Yeah, like, so so I want you to challenge my thoughts real quick here on yeah. something. But first, the circuit of success, you know, I talk about your attitude. I talk about your beliefs. I talk about your actions or your activities, right? So yeah. I believe this, but I yeah. also believe the saying I'm getting ready to say to you is true, but you have to have action with it. But challenge my thought when somebody says, you become what you think about. Yeah, it's nonsense. Tell me more. <laughs> I, I, I agree because it's got to be action, right? I can't just yeah. sit here and think I'm going to be great and then sit in my office and wait for the door to be knocked on. Right. I mean, happen, right? There's, this, there's this whole thing out in the self-help industry. It's called manifesting. Okay. And it's total voodoo. So if you sit on the sofa and think about how great you are in earning $3 million and driving a Maserati, yeah, none of that's going to happen. Uh, you can sit and think that in the oblivion, but none of it will actually happen. Now, there is there is something valuable about this thing called manifesting, but not the way that it's presented to people. Okay, So if you look at some of the great things you've done in your own life, okay, some of the things that you're particularly proud of, maybe it was getting your degree, getting married, if you're a dad or parent, you know, whatever it is, you'll notice in that endeavor, there was, there was like self-doubt at times and a lack of confidence at times and uncertainty at times and maybe even thoughts that you couldn't do it or couldn't handle it or it was too much at various points and yet you did it. Yep. Now, that right there would tell you you weren't what you thought about. <laughs> that's a good point and so and, and it all littered all over your life are examples of where you actually acted in ways that conflicted with what you were thinking about and produced results that conflicted with how you thought it would go 
So there's a lot of holes in you become what you think about. You only become what you think about if you act upon what you think about. If you don't act upon what you think about, then it's not real. It's neurons in your brain. But if you start if you start acting on it, so for instance, this manifesting myself a Maserati and $3 million a year, if I actually gave that thought and started to picture in my mind's eye like how I could do that, and then I started to act upon it, then it'll manifest. Then there's something called action and reality and results. But what most people want to have happen is, and I even say this in the book, I say most people want to feel differently because they want to be chauffeured through life. They want to feel better about what they're doing. But unfortunately, if you're somebody who's up to great things and you want to do great things, there are definitely going to be times when you feel pretty crappy about it. (laughs) And there's definitely going to be times when you think you can't. And there's going to be times when you're going to doubt yourself. Those are the times you got to press in and you got to produce the results. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good thought, too. You you know, I actually do believe that, uh, what you said. But I, I am a believer, and you must think something first, right? I mean, yeah. I think I can't just go do, and then it happens. I, I do believe in the future that uh, if I write it down, if I think about it. Yeah, I but you're analytical. Say it again. Yeah, but you're analytical. What's that? So you have well, a I'm way. You, you have a way of being called being analytical. So yeah. with that way of being, that's your answer to everything. See, with your analysis in the back of your mind, what you think is, if I work it out, I can do it. And you've got a track record for working it out that way and doing it. So if some, if you were to ask someone about you in, in terms of your character or persona, being analytical is a big part of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And that's your go-to guy. You rely on being analytical, which is very positive for you. It has very positive outcomes. But if we scratched away at that, you would also see the ways that being analytical uh, can be your Achilles heel. Hmm. But everybody's the same. Everybody's got their thing that's their strength, but it also on the flip side, it's like the lid. Does that yeah, make sense? Good. Oh, absolutely. My silence is more of making me think than it is. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I say, look, here's what I say to people. I say, you're a human being, okay? And you got to stop calling yourself a human and you got to start calling yourself a human being because you're you're constantly being certain ways. Right. That makes sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, every moment of every day you're being some way. Now, if you notice in your life, being analytical is very common for you, right? I mean, you'll be analytical about lots of different things. Yep. I would suspect you're also pretty positive. Yes. Now you weren't. You didn't pop out positive. You weren't born positive, and you weren't born analytical. You became positive, and you became analytical. Well, why? As an answer to something. So basically, in life, you, you, two of your fundamental answers to life is to be positive and be analytical. And you've built a life around those things. But again, at the same time, you would also, if you examined it and scratched away at it, you'd see where it limits you actually. And you would see even attributes that other people have that you wish you had. Like, I wish I was more like that. I wish I was more being that way. And then other people look at you and they say, well, I wish I was more like Brett. I wish I was more being this way. And our jobs 
as human beings, this is a fundamental principle of mine. Our jobs as human beings is to go beyond those default ways that we are, to start to explore and experience life in new ways. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And start to get outside of how we are that life is and how we are that we are. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, that's that's the game as human beings is to experience life beyond what we think is possible for ourselves. So walk me through. It's obviously not all, you know, everything's just been perfect and you just rode this roller coaster all the way to the top and there's obviously been ups and downs and all that kind of stuff. So walk me through a moment that it, it took you to your knees, right? It took you to yeah. your knees. And, and what, what was that and, and how did you overcome it? Yeah. Well, I've had lots of them in my life. You know, I've done lots of different things. I've been on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, I've been on the verge of my marriage disintegrating. Um, in fact, that my wife and I spent two years separated and beginning the proceedings to divorce when I had like an epiphany. And it was remarkable. It like shifted everything. And, um, you know, if I was to use an example of, I, I had this pretty pretty um, successful career um, as a facilitator at this really large personal development company. And I traveled the world. I coached and mentored probably about 20,000 people in that position. I travel. I, I was traveling 30-something weeks of the year. And it was a really, um, a really um, successful career move for me. And then I quit. And I quit when I was winning, like when I was one of the top producers in that company, if not the producer, top producer. And I quit at the very top. And I was determined to quit at the top. I was determined to be winning rather than quit something because I felt as if I was losing at it. So I, I was winning at it and I quit and I walked away. And I, I thought, I spent a year reading and I could barely afford it. I was running out of money fast. And I thought, you know, I want to be someone who's got something valuable to say, and I need to think about what I would want to say to people. And uh, and then I launched my own coaching business, and I was totally out of money. I mean, I, I mean, literally, like nothing left. And I was two weeks away from my next mortgage payment. Just two weeks out, and um, I just sat down, I said, all right, I'm going to put $10,000 in the bank in the next 14 days. And I had no idea how the hell I was going to do that. I mean, wow. at that point in my life, 10 grand was, you know, my gosh. I mean, really, it was like, how am I going to do it, right? And uh, But I just stayed connected to $10,000 in the bank account. And I noticed all of my initial strategies. They were all like, oh, well, I'll call that person. I'll do this and I'll do that. And I just caught myself strategizing for a much smaller win. And I allowed myself to kind of just be with it, be with the idea of that $10,000 and who I would have to be and the kind of conversations I would have to have and the kind of people that I would need to talk to, which wasn't comfortable for me at that point. And I did it. I actually put $12,000 in the bank and it was about 10, 10 days later I did it. And, um, and that's how I've lived my life. I live my life. First of all, set myself outcomes, not goals. I don't do goals and I don't do targets because if you shoot for a goal, you're also including the possibility that you'll miss. I don't miss. I never miss. 
Um, and the reason I never miss is because I have promises in the matter. So I have like intentions and promises and that's it. And I promise myself, and when I promise myself something, I will do everything that I need to do to fulfill on that promise. I will not break that promise to myself because I made the promise. And uh, and I've built my life on it. I, I wrote the book. Um, the book, again, I'm not a writer. I'd never written a book in my life. I didn't want to research writing a book because a lot of people who have had books and they failed did that research. So I didn't want somebody else who's written books telling me how they did it because I'm not them. So I started with the idea, well, what would I want to read? And I started from there. And reading, writing wasn't natural for me. It wasn't, oh, yeah, I'll just do this. And I'll, you know, some people are very eloquent with a written word. Um, I'm, I like to talk, but writing, it was a whole other game. Yep. So even there, like there were days and weeks and months where I was like, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too confusing. I don't know how to construct this. I don't know what I'm doing. But I just ground it out. I kept coming back at it and back at it and back at it. And I'd be spending hours and hours and hours at the end of a working day. And at the time, I was growing my coaching business too. And um, and it was, you know, when I'm a dad and I'm married and, you know, and all the things that my wife expects me to do in the house. And, and it was unbelievably challenging. And it was demanding something of me that I wasn't comfortable being. But I knew if I could do it, that I'd be a demonstration of what I was talking about, which yeah. is ultimately what it was. It was I demonstrated what I'm talking about. This isn't comfortable. This isn't a zone where I'm at my best, but I can manipulate myself in such a way that I can do it. Oh, that's awesome. What a great story. So let's we're going to jump around. So obviously there's attitude, there's beliefs, but let's talk about those actions in the circuit of success. Those actions that you, what were you doing to go from literally two weeks away from needing a, a house payment to I'm putting 12 grand in the bank. What were the daily steps, the daily habits, rituals you were doing? So what I would, I, I remember actually opening up a, a Google spreadsheet and I thought I'm going to, I'm going to call some people that I know would be able to afford what I'm doing. Right. Cause at the time for me to coach you, cost you back then it was about a grand a month for me to coach you. It's more now, but anyway, it was about a grand a month back then for me to coach you. And I thought, well, I'm going to just talk to the people who can afford a thousand dollars a month. And most of them just thought I was full of it, you know. They were just, but but every day I thought I'm going to keep calling them. Some people were like, no, no, thank you, and you know. But these were people I'd known through um, my career and my social circles, and I and there was a lot of like. The biggest consideration I had to keep putting aside was what are they going to think of me? Yep. Which is uh, is horrifying for a human being, right? Like when you're exposing yourself to what are they going to think of me, right? And so the automatic thing to do is kind of go into those conversations apologetically, right? Like, all right, let me try. And so I noticed all of that draw, if you like, for me to be strategic with those people. And I just gave it up. I just kept giving up. There's nothing for me to be strategic about. I'm going to go right in there. And this is what I did every day. I'm going to call these people. I'm going to say, look, I know you and I have a certain relationship. You're someone who I know could benefit from what I do. I want you to tell me about your life. I want you to tell me about where you're stuck. And then I'm going to tell you how I'm going to get you unstuck. And then I'm going to tell you how much that's going to cost you. And I did that 
relentlessly every day um, until, you know, there was a number of people who were all saying, totally, let's do it. When do we start? And uh, it just kept building and building and building and building until, you know, now I have a waiting list. You know, I can't even take people in right now, actually. These things are so jam-packed. Um, and then through those coach through coaching people like that, that, you know, because I'd already had this really successful coaching career where I'd coached athletes, but it was all part of my involvement with that company that I used to work for. I was able to develop my methodology in coaching people. So it was one of those things where if I was analytical, I would have worked all of that out before coaching them. I worked some of it out, but you, you can't say you're a pilot until you're in the air. And... I had to get in the air. I had to like try some of these methods out with people. And I had to implement some of these strategies that I had with people. And, it, and I could think about it and strategize it and theorize it. But, it. but it only blossomed when I had a real life human being on the other end of the phone. And then was able to exploit what I was saying in someone's real life. That's good stuff, man. Um, very deep, and I, I just love the fact of what you're doing. I mean, just getting up every single day, and, and you said it earlier, making a promise to yourself. I really connected with that and wrote that down because you do. There's so many people out there to talk about what's your targets, right? you got to yeah. make this target or you're going to lose your job, right? Or you yeah. got to do this, you got to do that. But just promise to yourself. So that's huge. Well, there's a, there's a massive – see, look, why that's huge, Brett, is believe it or not, you're a creature of language. So – your emotional states are very much in tune with the ways in which you talk. And believe it or not, it's not semantics using that word instead of that word and that word instead of that word. All right. So I'll give you a very simple example. People might say, oh, yeah, my father abandoned me when I was four. Okay. It's very different if you say when I was four, my father left. Now, they're both accurate. One of them will have a devastating impact on your emotional state, and one won't. So the kind of language that you use every day is critical. It's not semantics. And I'm a fan of some you know, some of the philosophers like um, Hans George Gadamer, who said, you know, I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing here clearly but he said the experience of being alive can be found in the grammar of a language so um so every day when you there's a massive difference between a promise and a goal a promise you got some skin in the game now you should have some skin in the game let me put it that way before you can start really getting into that culture of making promises to yourself you first must confront the degree to which you've trashed your promises to yourself. So that is, if you look back in your life, you'll see, I don't care how effective you are as a human being, I don't care how successful you are, you'll see those pockets of your life where your word to yourself is malleable. That is, you say you're going to do something, but as long as you've got a kind of legitimate reason why you're willing to accept that you didn't do it, Right, all of that has a cumulative effect on you as a human being. You start to relate to yourself as somebody who, yeah, I make promises to myself, but you know, I mean, life's tricky and challenging, and things happen, and blah 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 blah. 
if you start to confront that and realize that you, as a human being, I'm, this would be anybody, by the way, I, I'll take, you give me any human being, I don't care how a high performer they are, I will find the pockets in their life where their word is mud. Now, if you tighten that stuff up, if you start to realize that your word needs to be impeccable, if you want to perform at the highest levels, that includes stuff like being who you said you would be, doing what you said you would do, fulfilling on your promises to yourself. And as Shakespeare said, to thine own self be true. What Shakespeare was saying there then was, your power in life as a human being is completely commensurate. It's in a dance with how you relate to yourself, the promises you make to yourself. If you keep your promises to yourself, then that means, and you start to develop yourself as a human being who keeps promises to yourself, that means as that muscle starts to build, if you promise yourself you're going to double your income, you will move hell and high water to make that happen. There is no circumstance that will be in your way because you've started to develop, to develop yourself as someone who, when you say it, it's happening. And you might not know how it's going to happen. That might be the first part of this journey, is I need to work out how it's going to happen. And this is, again, how I live. I don't strategize first. I give my word to it first, and then I get into working out how I'm going to do it. Um, the only difference is I don't make fantastical promises to myself. So I'm not like, all right, by the end of the year, I'm going to, you know, 100 times my income. I mean, there's there's also there's the kind of chances that that might happen, that could happen, technically. But I'm not afraid to say I'm going to double it without knowing how I'm going to do it. Because then how I'm going to do it becomes the game. Right. So let's talk about this for a second. So you've done that, right? You've got your, mm -hmm. your actions. You're doing that every day. And so Ryan Barkey, who I mentioned earlier, that turned me on to your book and, and said you got to get this guy on the podcast. He's, he's, he asked, you know, me to ask you a question. He said, tell us about the importance of stepping outside your comfort zone, taking risk, and embracing, embracing the uncertainty. Right. Talk about that. Well, again, it's really simple. So once you have a certain age, once you've accomplished some things in the, in the evolution of a human being, your average human being, there are some exceptions, but I mean just your average person. What they want to do is retain what they've accomplished. So they want to keep it. And what they try and do is repeat it. So if you've had a method for making money, you'll notice that what you started to do was turn it into a strategy and then repeat it. You'll also notice, though, when you stumbled across that strategy, you didn't know what you were doing. You found it. You discovered it. What people lose sight of is that they're unbelievable at discovering this kind of stuff. It's stumbling through things and producing positive outcomes. But again, when they produce positive results they keep thinking well I'll just keep doing that I'll keep producing that positive result positive result positive result and they lose all sight of that kind of period of discovery when they actually worked it all out for themselves that's the domain that's the place that I want people to repeat I want people to get back to what it is to discover something what it is to uncover something and that is uncertainty that's the domain of uncertainty so as we age 
if you ask your average 18 year old or 20 year old about their future you know they're like wide open to it they're wide open to it they're like totally open for the idea of the unknown if you ask your average 50 year old it's like a tunnel it's just like here to there right um so what i'm asking people to do is to turn it back to say look the greatest things you ever did in your life were in the uncertainty you got to start being okay with the uncertainty you got to start embracing the uncertainty because the uncertainty is where the new stuff happens when you're certain about something it's basically what you're saying to yourself is i've already done this so in essence you're just repeating the past again now, some people would say, well, that's a good thing. And in some ways it is. But as a human being, you're yearning for the new while being addicted to the certain. And that's where you find yourself as a human being caught in the crossroads between the new and wanting the new and being inspired by the new, yet somehow trying to make it certain. And you can't. You can't make the new. The new new being by the way new is never been done before you can't be certain about what you've never done before and your potential as a human being lies in what you've never done before (laughs) because what you've done before you've done it before and you're not there yet did you get that yeah i did i did And, and ryan's other question you know talks about you know expanding more on the importance of action but but really, and I agree with this, is too often we get in our own ways, right? We can't get Correct. out of our own way to be successful, uh, and we're waiting on that perfect moment. Expand right. on that, the importance of that, and, and how do you overcome that, getting out of your own way? One of the things that I do, Brett, is I'll take a phrase or a question, and I'll hang out with it for months. I'll just ponder it, really. I'm working, I'm doing other things, but I'm pondering something. Somebody asked me, this was about a year ago, they asked me, what's confidence? And I had to really think about it. And I only came up with the answer about two weeks ago. But for me, um, confidence is what arises. It's an experience that arises when I can see the familiar in what I'm about to do. Hmm. So confidence is an experience. It's something that comes up. And it's physiological. And it's my brain making some connections and saying, oh, yeah, we can do this. Which, again, on one hand, you're like, all right, well, that's a good thing. But hold on a minute. If I say I'm someone who wants to produce ever-expanding results in life, how am I going to do that by repeating what I've done before? So there's this kind of like reliance upon how we feel. And we make this connection between how we feel and what we do. And then we end up with this, I mean, the only word I can really use to describe it, I guess, is more voodoo. This kind of voodoo notion that how I feel and what I do should be in some kind of relationship with each other. And they don't have to be. You can literally act in ways that, can, like I said earlier, that totally conflict with how you feel about doing it. And the more you can practice that, acting in ways that conflict with how I feel I should do it, you, you'll, that's where you'll start to produce those outside-of-the-box results because you're acting in ways that conflict with the box because the box is how you feel. 
tell me about this. So how do you define success now when you look at your life and you, you've been around all these successful people and you've yeah. helped probably change the lives of, of millions of people? Well, uh, lots of people, sure. but sure. Right. And, but how do you define success now in your life? If I look at my life right now, I'm actually happy with the experience of the opportunity that I'm getting. Like as a as a human being, I don't mean what I'm doing. What I'm doing is relevant. That I'm getting this opportunity to explore what it is to be a human being. And as somebody who, I mean, I'm not imbued by like any kind of positivity. You know, I'm Scottish. I'm particularly dour, actually, as a human being. I would say, but um, but I'm I'm really I'm really um, present to every day of my life. Like I love that I get to stretch what I thought was possible for me and in little ways and big ways right so it can be something simple like I apologize to somebody for something and normally I wouldn't do that I would just ignore it or I would say I love you to somebody when I really wouldn't want to say that I'd want I'm a little more hesitant and I'm not really vocal like that but I say it those little moments of joy for me where I go beyond what I what I'm usually comfortable with or what I usually think is me to me, is success. It's it's not my bank balance. It's not my client base. It's not what my book's doing. It's that I get to, I get to play with the whole idea of who I thought I was, and that's radical. I mean, every day is like a playground. <laughs> right. Get to design it what you want it to look like, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I read this brilliant thing by a neuroscientist where he said, "There's no evidence for you in your brain." <laughs> which if you can get past that part like what the heck what but there actually is there's no locus there's no right. so far anyway they haven't discovered like a place in your brain where you are so That's then deep. the question is well what the heck am I then the best they can come up with so far is you're just a series of habitual brain patterns <laughs> Over and over, right? Over and over, right? Like the, the, your automatic reactions, your automatic actions, your automatic feelings, emotions. And you'll notice how automatic you are. And I, and I don't just mean you. I mean any of us. People say certain things in a certain way. It's predictable you'll react in a certain way. And it's automatic. There's no you there, really. It's all just automatic. I, I love the whole idea of being able to intervene with that and play with that and go beyond that and mess with the whole notion of who I would say I am and uh, and you know so far it's been just you know an unbelievable adventure yep. hey let's talk about your your four pillars from your program the i365 and, yeah and those are you know obviously you know them but for our listeners uh, these these what I call pillars I don't know what you call them but the, the yeah. pillars are, are self spaces people and things yeah talk about self Human beings have a capacity for life. Another way to look at it would be like you got to picture it in your mind's eye like it's a bucket. And that capacity for self, um, there's what I say human beings are phenomenal at is overcoming. So you're phenomenal at putting up with stuff, overcoming stuff, yet still producing results. So that includes overcoming what who you are and putting up with and tolerating and sometimes even in denial about who you are as a human being. 
So I, I, I work with people over the course of a year and we split your life up into four sections like you just talked about and we empty the bucket. So self for me is what is it about yourself that you're currently tolerating, that you're putting up with it, that you're organizing your life around it, like you're treating it like it's an immovable object about yourself. And we spend um, a whole month dissecting that, pulling that apart and then giving you giving you the tools to actually come up with a new habit when it comes to yourself, okay? So that's one month of it. Now, the next month of this thing called self is your, your kind of personal and professional development. Like, what are, what are you tolerating about that? What have you kind of convinced yourself you can do or you can't do? And again, we do the same thing. And we what we end up with is this, where you, you, you actually peel apart what you'd already concluded about self, what you'd concluded about you. And then we work with you and you develop um, new habits to start to explore life from and start to take life on from. At the end of the year, what you're left with is all these areas of your life where you ramped it up, where you actually took it up a whole level. And you have the tools to continue to do that with yourself for the rest of your life. You know, my assertion is, if you're not developing, you're receding. And you must you must develop yourself. It's not about, and this is important, I guess. It's not about more knowledge, Brett. It's not about knowing more things. If people say they're aware of things, they have an awareness. If what you're aware of isn't changing your life, you are not aware of that thing. You know that thing, but you're not aware of it. The things that you're aware of change your life and in i365 what i'm looking to do with people is raise their awareness is to heighten their awareness to a degree where real change starts to happen in their life yeah i talk about this our listeners know that i talk about strategic think time i mean so that if, if those of you missed that question you know what is it about yourself that you are currently tolerating i mean you could spend hours by yourself in a journal oh, yeah. asking yourself that same question over uh-huh. and over and over yeah, and by the way, look, it is the want of a human being to make things okay. So you've got listeners that have made certain like flat spots in their life that they're just okay with it now. Like it's just how it is, right? So it might be their career, their, man- their, their marriage, their finances, their body. It's just how it is. And, it, you know, I like to make, I like to kind of, use this as an example and it's a bit extreme but if you were to ask your average person who's been on death row what it's like a lot of them would say it's okay they would say you know I eat I read I watch television and that's what a human being will do they'll make the intolerable tolerable and when I work with people what the first barrier you have to get past isn't what they're tolerating. The first barrier is having them realize what they're tolerating because they've made it so okay. And so they're like, why would I work on this? This is nothing. And then when you start to clean somebody's closet a little, then they start to experience freedom and real relation and real, real freedom to start 
striking out there in life in ways that they hadn't thought was possible because they didn't see how much of their life was... I mean, really, they were operating with one foot nailed to the floor. So when you talk about that's the self side of that, so let's talk about spaces. Yeah, yeah. So if you look in your life... So again, if you think of your... If you think of yourself like a bucket, you've got things in mind that are constantly in mind that you're only reminded of them when you're around those things. So one example I use with people is if you go home, you'll see there are things in your house that you're putting up with, that they don't work the way they're supposed to, or they need replaced or repaired or cleaned out or, or, or put in order or put in shape. And it seems like, no, it's fine. I mean, I'll get to it. I'm going to do it. I'll da, 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 da. And I'm including those that work with the to-do lists, right? Who, my to-do listers. Which is basically, by the way, a to-do list is basically all the stuff you don't want to do. It's actually a don't want to do list. Because the stuff that you do want to do, you've done it. Right? So the items on your to-do list are basically the things you're resisting. <laughs> that you Right, yeah, I don't want to do this stuff. Let me put it on a list. And even, you can end up even burdened and tolerating your own to-do list. So I have people I have people start to investigate and scrape away at it. I deal with the area of home. I deal with the area of office and the strategies and things you've put in place in your own office that you've only put them in place to overcome what you're tolerating and or what you're in denial about, right? Well, no, I'll do this and, you know, it might be an employee you have. It might be, you know, a system you've got in place. And again, we kind of gut that whole area of your life. And you start to see, like, see, people don't realize how much they're carrying around in that bucket. It only comes to light when you walk into the environment. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. It's a really simple one that seems like nothing. But when you start to uncover them all, you'll realize it's a mountain. But anyway... If you, there's a bulb in your bathroom that you've been meaning to replace for the last three weeks, well, really, it's more like a month. Well, it might be six weeks. I, I don't know. Maybe it's been up there for two months. It doesn't really matter. The rest of the lights are fine. I'll get to that bulb. That bulb seemingly isn't on your mind. Seemingly, no, it's not. I don't even think about that bulb. But yet every time you see it, oh, I need to remember to get to that. Then where does it go in the meantime? What well, slips into the background? It actually starts to take up space in the bucket. It actually starts to take up some of the capacity. My capacity. My capacity for what? For everything else that's happening in my life. So if you ever come across somebody who's overwhelmed, anxious, worried, here's what you'll find. There's a bunch of stuff in their bucket that they've made okay, and they have no room left for life itself. So in I-365, I work with people to empty the bucket. And one of the places we do that is in this thing called spaces, your physical environment. But I think you might have been at my house because uh, <laughs> I am the, the king of that, right? You see the light bulb. Oh, I need to replace it. Well, there's five other ones working, so you're fine. Right. But it's funny because I just did one, with, and amazingly, without my wife asking me to do it. Right. Uh, and it's it did free my brain. And Very good. in the room, and it's on. And, and so... I, I would like to say I'm perfect at that, but I think your 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 point is perfect because it is. It, it just weights down the bucket that I'm trying to carry along. And it's a it's it's not that it's not a light bulb. It's the light bulb in that corner of the garage, and in the inside of your car, and in the attic, 
And then that crack on the wall outside that you immediately get the guy to come and see. And then that paint job that needs to be done in the upstairs bedroom. And, and it's all the little pieces that somehow just, you know, burrow away in the background of our consciousness. Yep. So let's talk about people. Yeah. Well, I, have a, I take a very counterintuitive approach to relationships. So, um, and this is often the place where people get most confronted and they argue with me, which is fine. Um, and people argue with me initially because they think what I'm suggesting is the most horrific thing. But what they start to find out is what they're arguing for is their own misery. That's where they actually start to realize. So my, my fundamental, I guess, approach in the area of relationships is you are responsible, okay? Which people throw that word around. Oh yeah, I'm responsible. But then it'll, on the tail end of that, what people say is, well, if you look at your relationships, and I, the first group of relationships we start with is family. And I don't care who your family is. If you take that whole notion of family there'll be the people in your family that you most relate to and then there'll be the people in your family you least relate to there'll be the people in your family that you just don't talk to there'll be the people in your family that you know you're even maybe a little ashamed of them there'll be the people in your family that you would rather just never talk to them ever again and where I come from I start with okay so let's start with you being your greatest self with these people and what people first confront is all the strategies they've used with their families. And what I like to say to people is that people live lives of intention. So there's, I've got an intention in mind. There's something in mind here with the way I'm treating you currently. So for instance, I might have a sister and I think she's living her life in the wrong way. And I'm not going to deal with it anymore. I'm going to cut her out of my life. And I think that'll be good for both of us. So the intention is here that somehow this will work out well for her and work out well for me. Okay, just better if we don't talk. That's the intention. Here's the reality. I just broke my family up. So in my mind's eye, I think I'm doing the right thing. But in reality, I've just broke my family up. So I say to people, well... If you were being responsible for being your greatest self, who are you? People might say, well, I'm loving. Okay, so in what way is that loving? You just broke your family up. I know, but this person's ruining their life. I got it, but how does that? And what people usually falls out of their mouths are all of the reasons why they should do what they did. But I hold people to, I hold people to who they would say they are. Who are you? And it comes back to that whole thing, by the way, of your promises to yourself. I said I'm loving and I'm going to act in a loving way with this human being. I might even be annoyed. I might be frustrated with this person. And at the same time, this is who I am and I'm going to act accordingly. So so we focus on family for about a month and it's usually a very confronting time for people. You know, they get really confronted by the whole family conversation. And then we flip it over to friends and then we flip it over to workmates and we do that over the course of three months. And, um, you know, if you come from determining who you are as a human being and holding yourself to being that man or woman regardless of how others are like and that's 
really challenge you, right? Because you might feel that somebody's treating you like crap. But you've still got to be who you say you are. Why? Because to thine own self be true. Because this is who you are. It's not who I am under certain circumstances. It's who I am. Period. Honor myself. For myself. If I say I'm a loving human being, I'm going to be loving with this person. If I say I'm a compassionate human being, I'm going to be compassionate with this person even though I am losing my mind at what they're doing. I'm going to be loving and compassionate. Why? Because that's who I say I am. And just because they're doing what they're doing does not justify my cashing in my chips. And, you know, as I said, that can be a really confronting part of the program for people, but at the same time, unbelievably transforming. Because people are going back to their parents and going back to their siblings and going back to their cousins and their aunts and their uncles and saying, I don't think I handled that well and I love you and, you know, I want this relationship to work, but, you know, like, there's some things that you're doing that I don't agree with and my request is you don't do those things around me and I love you anyway, but, you know, I'm not going to have that be in my life, but at the same time, I'm not going to withdraw my love for you. So it's... It's a really tricky conversation to have because it's very counterintuitive. People very much these days love this whole conversation for healthy boundaries and things, which I'm not a fan of. Right. So let's talk about the final one on the four is uh, things. Yeah. Again, what I focus on there is more like the administration of your life. So is your life orderly behind the scenes? Are you? How is your email inbox and... How's your will doing? And what about your insurance? And like, how are all those items going? How do you administer your life? And again, it's about people confronting those, seeing what they're tolerating. And by the way, you'd be amazed. Um, you know, if you if you ask someone why they the administration part's always kind of interesting because people will tell you, well, "I don't. I'm not really sure about that thing, so I tend to just avoid it." And that is very common for people. They avoid things that they don't feel they know. They can like close their eyes and hope it will go away. Um, and so what I encourage people to do is, again, get back to that thing of discover, find out, bring some life to that part of your life. Um, I'm a big proponent on each human being be fully able to be themselves with every area of their life. And if your listeners are looking at their own lives right now, you'll see areas of your life where you don't feel you're quite free to be yourself there. And what I what I encourage people to adopt is the idea that you're not free to be yourself there because you haven't held yourself to account to be yourself there. And so that's when it's you start to see, like again, those elements, like what I call things. It's the administration of your life, how your life runs. And that's where many people confront their problems with their finances or their problems with, you know, what they think they know and don't know and self-confidence and things like that. Talk to us about fears. I mean, as we kind of come down to the last few questions here. So fears, yeah. I mean, a lot of us, are, we're driven by fear, right? I, I yeah. don't want to fail. I don't want to, you know, to your point earlier, I don't want to go bankrupt. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to do that. Whatever it may be, talk to me about the fears you put in your mind. And then how many of those fears actually came true to the magnitude you thought they would come true? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think, Brett, fear is, is definitely like an everyday part of being alive. Okay. You can't avoid it. And even for people that say, well, I don't have a lot of fear in my life, I would invite you to consider that you've organized your life in such a way that you minimize the fear. Now, again, you want to really start relating to fear like it's evidence for expansion, like I'm doing new things, I'm, I'm, I'm being gripped by this experience of fear. Now, what I've discovered for myself with fear and examining myself and, you know, observing how I react in situations is my fear, like everyone's fear, is a subjective phenomenon. So that is what I find when, in situations where I find myself being afraid, you might not find, feel yourself being afraid and vice versa. But I, but I, in the day-to-day living of my life, I live like that fear is objective. Like, no, no, this really is something you should be afraid of, right? And again, you know, you could run away with your fantasy and say, well, what if it's a Bengal tiger? Well, the reality is most of us don't live with that kind of threat in our lives. The kind of everyday fear that grips us is stuff like, again, starting a business, um, asking somebody on a date, um, all the way through to how do I tell this person what I need to say to them because this is, you know, like I, I'm just afraid how they may react. So, um, and then invariably, there are times, sure, there are times when I was afraid of something happening and it did go that way. But I talk about this in the book. I say, look, if you look back in your life, look at the trajectory of your life. You always make it. You always work it out. And I think people have got to have a little more um, faith in their ability to work it out, even in the unknown, even in the uncertainty, even when they're gripped by fear, that when it's all said and done, look, you know, one of the things that, you know, when people do stuff like, if you look at business as a good example, and you'd even said this, you know, like people get afraid of stuff like, like going bankrupt, right? I'm afraid of it. Okay. But you would recover. How do you know that? Look at your life. You've always worked that out. Now, it might be a painful time in your life. It might be, you know, hard work. And, you know, you might have a lot of worry through that period. But here's what you got to realize. you got to realize you'll make it because your track record is a record of making it. So whatever you're afraid of, you should know you can make it through that. You're, and that's one of the things that never ceases to amaze me about human beings, and I love about human beings, is their capacity, their ability to make their way through it. There's a brilliant book. Um, it's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And, um, you know, it's so inspirational. And, you know, he talks about his time in a concentration camp. And what he did, what he asserts is what made him make it was that the circumstances of the of being in a concentration camp had less impact on him than it had on those around him. He saw the horrors, he saw the terrible things, the most horrific circumstances, yet somehow he was able to disconnect himself from the circumstances going on around him. And I, what I'd want your listeners to get is you have a capacity for that. You have a capacity for being resilient. You have a capacity for producing results. And that fear 
is a natural, normal part of being a human being. And it's to be embraced. It's, it's to be acknowledged, knowing that you can be fearful and yet still act in a courageous way. You know, because if you look at people who have made, have done courageous things, done bold things, they weren't always gripped by courage. They were often gripped by fear and yet acted in a courageous way. Very, very impactful way to look at it, man. You, uh, you've given us a lot today. Let's, let's ask a couple fun questions here. Um, life is obviously about experiences. And uh, what's on your bucket list? You got a bucket list? What's something you want to go out and do? I've got like five books in mind. And there's one that, I'm, that I definitely want to write. And I've kind of started putting it together. And um, I want to write a book about why you self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, in subtle ways or big ways. And, I, and I'm bold enough and arrogant enough to, th- to think that I think I might have worked that out. Right? So, <laughs> right? so I want to write that book for people from my perspective. Like, how come you self-sabotage? And then how to stop that. Um, and then, you know, if I look at like, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. I've got three sons. I've got a 12-year-old son and a 5-year-old son and a 3-year-old son. And my bucket list is all about them, like having the most amazing, fulfilling, loving lives. And, uh, you know, watching my three sons turn into successful men really is like the biggest deal for me. I have no real want for, you know, I mean, I I have a nice watch and I drive a nice car and, you know, all those things. But they're not what drive me. I've done a ton of traveling. I've been around the planet a bunch of times. And um, I want to just continue making a difference for people and and then testing the limits of my own humanity. I like it. I like it. Well, man, tell us, where can we find more of uh, of you? Where can we find you on social media? Where can we get the book? I know where you can yeah. get it. Our listeners probably know where you can get it, but but plug it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can get the book wherever, you know, books are sold, basically. So Barnes & Noble and Amazon and all those places. Um, you can get the audio book, actually, which I narrated. So it's you'll get to listen to me talk to you about the book. Um, and then you can catch up with my website, garyjohnbishop.com. And there's some videos there and you'll see a bunch of information about me and what I do. Um, you can also find me on YouTube. You'll find free videos there. Instagram, where I put bunch of quotes up basically every day there's another quote goes up for you to think about and ponder and then you can also join me on facebook right um gary john bishop you'll find me on facebook i've got a couple hundred thousand followers in there and i'll I'll go in there and sometimes interact with people and again you'll get quotes and videos and all kinds of free stuff in there um because i'm really committed that whenever you connect with me online that uh that it's worth your while. I, I don't want people to follow me. I, I really want people to engage with me and to get something out of engaging with me and to get something that maybe brings a different perspective into their lives. Well, I, I can uh, vouch for that because I sent you a message on Sunday and I think you sent one back and now here we are on a Thursday recording a podcast between our busy yeah. calendars. So for yeah. the listeners out there, this is a guy that's doing exactly what he's saying. So. Man, it's been great having you, Gary, and I uh, really appreciate the time. I know you're a busy man, so thanks for spending it with me. Thanks for spending it with our listeners. Thanks for joining the Circuit of Success podcast. Thank you, Brett. Tune in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm. 